Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, Hokies, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Today we've got a special guest, the man they call Jay Muddy, Justin Mutz. We'll talk with Justin about Virginia Tech's ACC championship season, the outlook for the upcoming season, and of course, we'll talk about the poster. I'm TSL founder Will Stewart, and this is the Tech Sideline Podcast. Welcome back into episode 265 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company, who you choose to bank with can make all the difference in your overall experience. First Bank and Trust Company is the bank that puts you first. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's say hello to our guest, ACC Basketball Scholar Athlete of the Year, Justin Mutz. Welcome in, Justin. What's going on? Yeah, it's really good to see you, man. Um, so let's go over who we have have on set here. To my right, we've got our lead analyst, Chris Coleman. And producing today, we've got Nick Brown. And uh, David Cunningham is watching and will feed information when we need it and correct us where we're wrong. So I know you guys know each other. Yeah. Um, so good to see you. You and I have not seen each other since we did the poster signing. Yeah, it's been a few months. Yeah, that was back in uh, April. So mm-hmm. that was about six months ago. And I wanted to start... I wanted to start with talking about that because most of the people that follow us are on our website or on our podcast know that uh, we did an NIL deal with you where we did a poster and, and sold, uh, sold some signed editions and unsigned editions. Um, But how that got started was that uh, of course it goes back to the ACC championship game. And for those of us watching the game, I don't know how it felt for you guys on the floor, but those of us watching the game, Knew it was over when you dunked on Paolo Bancaro. Um, so first, let's go down that path a little bit. Was that the moment? I mean, I mean, did you know, or yeah. did you know it before then, or, or just kind of put us in that moment? Yeah, I mean, at that point in time, we're just trying to, you know, win every play. I mean, it's Duke. It's, at the end of the day, it's Duke, and they can go on a crazy run at any point in time. I think four or all five of their players got drafted first round. So it's not a team that you can ever think like, yeah, this game's over. And at that time, I think it was like two and a half minutes left. Kevin made a great play. I mean, I put the ball in the room. And then I think the play blew up a lot more than I expected it to. I'll say that. But, (laughs) you know, uh, it's all blessings, though. I was just just grateful that things worked out the way that they did. Yeah, watching it, that's that's when we knew it was over. So it was a fun two and a half minutes after that. So we had a photographer – pretty much under the basket who got I think the best picture yeah. of the dunk that was out there for sure and uh so for the NIL deal I think you have to thank Chris for that because I think it was yeah. his idea we were doing we were doing the follow-up podcast Chris is like you know you're always talking about NIL you ought to turn that thing into a poster yeah, much appreciated <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was, that was really successful that's the way things went with that so so we reached out uh Gosh, I don't know. We must have talked about it or something like that. And, and Alphonse uh, Bicer, who runs Bison Printing, mm-hmm. Al reached out to me and said, I run a printing company in Bedford. We can do it for you. So yeah. one thing led to another. And what I remember about that is, and I, I want to get your input on this side of it. I was really excited about it. Yeah. So, so we got the thing set up, and I knew that we could sell a lot of them. And I knew that you could make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So eventually I reached out to you, I think it was through Instagram, and I said, uh, Hey, we want to do a poster with you, et cetera, et cetera. I think you can make about 20 grand off of this. And you said, you know, okay. So I think I wound up in an email conversation with your parents or something yeah. like that. And I sent the contract and, and I'm super jacked to get this thing done. And the yeah. answer came back like, okay, we'll look at it. <laughs> so yeah. what do you remember from your end of that, that story? Yeah, I, my family is very supportive. You know, I got the, the best, you know, support crew around me. I couldn't ask for a better crew. So anytime that I'm dealing with any contracts or any type of negotiation, they're always, the, you know, they're at the forefront, you know, they're right there with me. And even if, like, I know you guys' intent with me at that time was 100% pure, well, they are always going to, you know, they have the most pure intent for me. So yeah. they're always going to try to analyze any contract or anything that I have going on. But I was really just really grateful for the opportunity at the time for you to contact me with that. I really didn't have too many other NIL opportunities going on at that point in time. 
So that was probably the first thing that really, you know, went crazy, that popped off and really uh, was successful for me. That as well as the, the T-shirts of the, of the yeah, same. Yeah, the T-shirts were going on at the same time. Yeah, probably like a two weeks, two or three weeks before that was when I launched those. So it was the, it was the same uh, picture. So there was some issues with that. So I, I don't know much about your parents. What's your, what are your mom and dad's backgrounds? Yeah. Like they, like, I think your mom was the one who was really involved. Yeah. What does she do for a living? Well, that's, that's my stepmom. She works for the, she works for the government. I'm not sure of her exact title, what she does for the government. Uh, she handles a lot of contracts and negotiations with them as too, as well. So just to have her, her background with that and then her love for me, you know, the, I couldn't ask for a better person in that position. My dad's, my father's actually a photographer. So he's, he'd be really big into, um, you know, human connection and just making those relationships with other people. My mother's actually a teacher. She teaches, I think the seventh grade this year, but she's, mm -hmm. she switched around grades over the past few years. So. Well, well, tell her she disrupted my sleep for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll I let her know. But she, no, they did the right thing. They, they yeah, slowed it. Sure. So, so we got the paperwork taken care of and you and I went and visited the printer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was April 6th that we went and did it. And, yeah. and by that time we'd done a pre-sale. So, so for those of you that don't know, um, and we'll put the link to, you can still purchase the poster. It's still available. And we'll put the link to it in the YouTube descri description of, of this video. But for those who are not familiar with it, and I'm sure there's some people out there, we sold two versions. We had the signed version, which went for a hundred bucks. And then the unsigned version, which went for 25 mm -hmm. and out of the signed version, we allocated $70 of each hundred dollar sale to you. And the unsigned version was $15 of each $25 sale. Mm -hmm. And for the record, uh, I didn't have sleepless nights cause we were going to get rich off of it. We, yeah. we made like two or 3% or, or something like that. The rest went to you and the printer and all that. So by the time you and I went to sign this thing, um, we had pre-sold like 300 of them or oh, something uh, like that. Yeah. And, and I remember you saying that day, you remember saying, you know, when you said I can make $20,000 off of it, I didn't really believe yeah. you. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't think they were going to sell as much as they did. I didn't think I had as big of a following as I did at that time. So for everybody and, uh, you know, in Blacksburg, a lot of Virginia Tech supporters to come and support me as well. Uh, I was just so grateful. And I mean, that just, that's part of the reason why I decided to come back, not for the NIL stuff, but more so just for the love that they have for me here and the support that's here for me right now. It's not going to be like that my whole life, you know? So yeah. for me to take, make the most out of it, I feel like quality of life was really important in making that decision. So I, I do want to get into that in more detail a little bit later, because that's a big decision, for you sure. know? And so you and I were there that day and, and we pre-sold like 300 and, and we were trying to figure out how many to sign. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, maybe 350. And the printer's like, well, maybe 500. And I was yeah. like, heck, let's just do 750. Right. Yeah. So that that took a while. You remember how long that took? It did take a while. What was maybe an hour, maybe two hours? It was like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. But we had a really good system going. Like, I thought the system that we had going on, it made it run as smoothly as possible, as smoothly yeah. as it could have ran. Yeah, so, so what we did was you signed them, and then you passed mm -hmm. them over to me, and I'm the one who numbered it. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting about it was you didn't, you didn't whip that signature out. You were very careful with your yeah. signature on each one, and, and you put you put your number 25 on there. Mm -hmm. For sure. So we did get a pretty good rhythm going there for a while. Yeah, um, I feel like it's, it's only right to, you know, focus on each one. I mean, the people are paying the hard-earned money for that stuff, so, I mean. Because you don't know who's getting, absolutely. you know, getting that at the end of the day. For sure. Um, all right, so, again, folks, we're going to we're gonna put that link in the YouTube description. Uh, we did 750 that day. Mm -hmm. There are still about 200 of them left. Oh, okay. So um, it's gauche to talk about money. Yeah. But we have sold about 550 of those, and you get $70 per. So we'll just let you all at home yeah. take out your calculators <laughs> yeah. and do the math. It's been a nice deal. Yeah. 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 It's been a very so nice I remember. Deal. I remember that day talking to you about. Um, you started asking asking about investing the money and things like that. Yeah. Do you remember what else I told you that day? That's kind of a wide open question. I told you to make sure you bought something nice for yourself. Oh, yeah. Did you do that? I got this sweater. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I've been I've been saving the majority of everything that's been coming in for me uh, up to this point. I'm scared of taxes, you know. Uh, my stepmom, she definitely made me aware of the fact that uh, a portion of, like, what I've, you know, made this year, I'm going to have to pay it back. So I don't know how much that's going to be because my first time having to go through this experience. So I just want to be as prepared as possible for that. And then also just like for life, you know, uh, most of my expenses are taken care of here at Virginia Tech, you know, as a student athlete, and that's really a blessing in and of itself. So to not have to pay those bills, you know, not have to focus on, you know, paying off student loans or college debt and stuff like that, I can really just focus on, you know, building my future and just trying to put myself in the best position for the real world, you know, 
Yeah. People don't realize, but as student athletes, I feel like we're kind of in a bubble right now, really protected by a lot of the things that are around us. But, you know, when I leave here, it's not going to be like that anymore. And people are going to expect me to be able to take care of myself and hold my own. And I need to prepare myself right now for that, you know? Yeah. Um, so let's, you had sort of mentioned it earlier. Let's get into that. Um, you know, people asked us at the time, are you doing that deal to try to get him to stay another year? And I said, listen, he's getting paid whether he stays another year. And it's April. Um, you know, and you hadn't made your decision yet. So um, I don't remember the timing on your decision to come back, but can you tell us like everything that went into that? Because there's more to it than money. And you've alluded to some of that. But that said, you had a possibility to play probably overseas and some of those uh, positions pay pretty well Mm -hmm. or stay here and NIL for the first time in a collegiate athlete's career was a factor. Yeah. So talk to us about that whole process of deciding to come back and, and how long it took for you and what mattered to you the most. Mm-hmm. It was a really difficult process. It was a long process. Um, mentioned April. Uh, April was probably the time that I left Blacksburg. I was still finishing on my degree, everybody. <laughs> I def- that was probably my main focus too as well. Like in leaving, I had to make sure that I still got that degree under my belt because why wouldn't I? But yeah, I left in April. I went to Las Vegas to start training at the Impact Facility. Was training over there next to a lot of really good players who wound up getting drafted. Um, Marjan Buchamp, Buchamp uh, Blake Wesley, also from uh, from Notre Dame, and they had a, a couple. They had a couple other guys. Names are slipping from my mind right now. But that was an amazing experience. I had the opportunity to work out with a couple different NBA teams. Went to a couple. Different, went to well, I went to one combine and I had the opportunity to just perform in front of. So there were about twenty teams there. And the feedback and the conversations I was having with these teams in the front offices were was excellent. It was amazing. And that's, I think, what was making it so difficult for me to come back. If the decision simply was overseas or Virginia Tech, there would have been no, there would have been no complication. I would have easily decided to come back here without wasting anybody's time. You know what I mean? So the, the decision was really, I feel as though I have a real opportunity right now to make something happen for myself and for my future. So should I take that now or should I go back and see what I can do next year. So that's the position that I'm in right now. Uh, I actually wound up, my made my final decision on July 1st. Um, I had a workout with the Nuggets on, I think, I think it was on the 1st, or it was on the 31st, like the end of the month. So just to be able to go through that experience at the end and have, you know, all those conversations, get all that feedback back, receive all that feedback. Yeah, it's, I don't know, that's something that really helped me become a better basketball player and more importantly, just a better person just through those life experiences. So was there a, if you were talking to NBA teams, were were there some common things that they were telling you? Yeah, absolutely. Every team loved my versatility and my ability just to, you know, make plays on the floor. But the, the big knock on me was my lack of shooting, my, the fact that I didn't shoot that many three-point shots last year. My percentage wasn't alarming. I shot 33% last yeah, year from three. Good. But it's the fact that I wasn't taking those shots as much. And also, they just want me to be able to show more of my versatility on defense. So just being willing and ready to guard guards, guards big, guard anybody. And what people don't realize is that the NBA is 85% role players, you know. And <laughs> for players who want to go in there and be the star player, those are the ones that are dropped immediately. Those are the ones who, are, who got the league before you even know it. You know, you blink an eye and they're gone. But I feel as though I have an outstanding opportunity to make something happen for myself by being the best role player that I could possibly be. You know what I mean? That's and but people take the term role player in an offensive light. There's a lot of there's a hey, role players win games. So, have you ever met, met Bimbo Coles, who used to play for Virginia Tech? I've not met him in person. I did a really long interview with Bimbo about ten years ago, and, and he was he was a good athlete. Mm-hmm. But he spent something like twelve to fourteen years in the NBA yeah. and was. Yeah, rarely a starter, rarely a frontline mm-hmm. guy, but his thing was he was competitive. Yeah, I'm sure he's yeah. a millionaire too. <laughs> hey, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For that long, yeah, you would. Be. Right. Yeah. yeah um, so, so that so that that's interesting. So, uh, so basically, what I'm hearing through that is that you felt like if you came back another year, and you love Virginia Tech, I know right, you love yeah. playing at Virginia Absolutely. Tech, so that's kind of a no brainer. But you could also work on certain skills that. I think, and, and maybe Chris would agree, I think most Hokie fans are guilty of thinking you're either here or you're international. Yeah. And you're thinking about, you know, doing what you can to make the NBA. Absolutely. I feel as though I have a great a great opportunity to do that. And teams already are looking at me in that in that light. Uh, the teams that do like me, the teams that like me like me, and the teams that don't. You only need one team to take you, truly, to give you an opportunity, to give you one chance. And I never really 
didn't want to, you know, fumble the chances. If I get a chance, I'm going to make my most, make the most out of it, you know? That doesn't mean making every single shot. That doesn't mean being perfect. It just means giving effort and just being who I am, you know, being being myself at the end of the day. I trust me. You know, I know who I am, and I'm never going to try to change that for anybody or anything, you know? Yeah. Well, 10, 10 to 15 years ago when, like, all power forwards in the NBA were probably 6'10", 240 yeah. pounds, yeah. it's a lot different these days because sure. you're coming off switches and you're going to have to guard a two-guard who's probably going to be about the same size as you. For sure. I think the beauty of the versatility of basketball at this point is just how much it's becoming so positionless. It's just you put your five best players on the floor at any point in time, and those five players go make plays, you know. You mentioned the the typical forward being a 6'10", brute, 10, 15 years ago. He's just a brute. All mm -hmm. he wants to do is go out there and hurt everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't be further from my game, right. you know, and I feel as though just by taking these steps over the summer and just getting back here and continuing to work on my skill, it's such a positionless game. We got such a positionless team. Just, you just put guys on the floor that know how to play the game, that know how to play with each other, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Look at us last year. You know, mm -hmm. we had Keve who, honestly, Keve is not a center. You know, Keve is not a back-to-the-basket traditional five-man. But for him to be able to thrive at that position, I think just, just shows, like, the way the basketball is heading right now. I think it's, I think it's so beautiful. All right, so let's see. So we appreciate all that because I definitely wanted to talk about the poster. I wanted to know what went into your decision to come back. So at this point, we're just going to – Chris, like I said, Chris has got questions. I got yeah. questions. We're just going to go back and forth. I bet they're not even in chronological order. I bet they're so random. That's fine. So uh, I've been babbling on enough. We'll let Chris ask you something. So there's another famous athlete from Millville, New mm. Jersey. Oh, Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout. <laughs> uh, is he still a big deal there? Did you ever, did you ever get a chance to meet him? In Millville? Um I think in Millville, a lot of people are still fans of him. Yeah, he definitely has a big name uh, and a big a big time supporter in that area. The Angels, probably the most you'll see a lot of baseball hats in, uh, in Millville. Is that right? Yeah. I figured it'd be the Phillies, but yeah. it's, it's, well, uh, you got the Phillies too. But I think the Angels are are really close are because close. of Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah, definitely because of Mike Trout. He he was actually really good at basketball too. A lot of people mm. don't know, but he scored like nine hundred ninety nine points in high school. Oh man! Yes, yeah, so that's kind of awkward. But so he missed a free throw somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And his you dad's like, "See, I told you so." Right. No, that's crazy though. He was an all around athlete. Yeah. Love to see it. So let's see. Uh, back to part of your affinity for Virginia Tech. Um, so you started to get Hokie fans' attention by by yelling "Let's go Hokies" while you were yeah. waiting on the uh, on free the throw, throw rebounding line. Yeah. What got that? You did what's called breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's not common. Uh, mm. Do you remember the first time you did that? I mean, the real question is what got into you? When, I, when I'm playing, when I'm on the court, I, I really feel as though I turn into a different person. My passion, like my love for what I'm doing, it just kind of takes over sometimes, especially in that kind of atmosphere. I can't control that. Yeah. It might seem like I'm, I don't know, but I really can't control that sometimes. It's just like, it's just a natural instinct to do i'm out here having fun and i want y'all to have fun with me right now you know and the people really gravitated towards it especially the first time i did it when i heard them respond i it was over at that You're time. Like, oh, it's on <laughs> yeah, it's on it's it's definitely this is like a, this is my thing now so i have to keep doing it i was gonna say do you feel a responsibility now to uh, almost yeah. <laughs> but i also know i have to pick my spots because i can't i can't just be yelling at them we're down 20. <laughs> no, <laughs> no so i definitely just pick my spots and i i mean it's really just about the energy generated like if you know even if we're up 20 or 30 like the energy is not the same as if it's a close game you mm -hmm. know what i mean and i'm just waiting for the right time for the the crowd to die down and get a little bit quiet because, I mean, I, I can get loud, but I can't get louder than 18,000 people. I don't know how many people are gym sits. Mm, well, about Cass, Cass will hold yeah. about nine. Yeah. Not 18. Not quite 18. <laughs> sounds so, like 19, 18. Yeah, it yeah. Does. Right. And when you're in the dome, the sound's not leaving. So, yeah, I just, but then just pick my spot, wait for it to get quiet, and then, yeah, and then. I can't wait. Yeah. So how does Coach feel about that? Does he ever say anything to you about? No, he's never said anything. Everybody loves it. Everybody, everybody loves it. And I feel like it doesn't, I feel as though it doesn't take away from my end game. You know, right. I can't, I'm not getting distracted. It's just a two-second thing I just did, and now I'm right back in the game, you know. So sometimes I think they understand that it gets me more energized. So the more energized I am, I feel like the more hustle plays I'm ready to make, you know. That's my, that's my game, though. So did that have anything to do with you getting selected to do it for the football game recently, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think – I don't know. I think – I really feel as though the just Virginia Tech, just Hokie Nation has, like, really come to accept me a lot. You know, they they embrace me. Uh, they support me in a lot of different ways. And I feel as though they reciprocate my energy too. So I think that's why I was brought out there, just because of the, the energy that was going to be generated. 
So what in the world led to the, uh, if I get oh. 2,000 likes or whatever yeah. it is, I'll wear overalls? Yeah. So, uh, so to fill that in a little bit so for fans, there, there, there are a number of people that aren't on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember the story correctly, you said, I'm going to do Go Hokies at the football game. Yeah. How many, was it likes or retweets? I, you said, I said a thousand likes. A th- if I get a thousand yeah. likes on this tweet, I'll wear overalls. Yeah, <laughs> you knew you were going to get a thousand likes. <laughs> the thing about it, 30 minutes in, I got a thousand <laughs> likes. I did not expect for it to be that fast. Right. I expected to get the a thousand likes because I wanted to wear the overalls. <laughs> I did, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did want to wear them, but... I did not expect for it to happen like that. Um, we were trying to get, we were trying to raise it so it'd be like five thousand or ten thousand likes, and we'll get Coach Young to come wear it too. But he he wasn't he wasn't willing to do that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Coach Young, uh, yeah. just wrap your relationship with mm-hmm. Coach Young. I love Coach Young. I didn't mention it. We were talking about it earlier, but right. when I was out in, can you hear me? No, I was just saying when you. I was saying. I, I meant to ask you what his input uh, was on the decision yeah, to yeah. stay. Yeah. Well, over the summer when I was out in Vegas, he actually came to see me out there just just to spend time. And he never, he wasn't trying to recruit me to stay or trying to get a feel for where I'm at in this process. It was just, we have a good relationship. It's like family, literally like family. So I, that was a, that was awesome. I'm just so grateful to have somebody like Coach Young in my life. You know, he's just an amazing person away from the game of basketball. You know, you can learn so much from him. Just good people just have a, a way of rubbing that gener, like gener, generosity. Is that mm-hmm. a word? That's a word. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but <laughs> their generosity and like their just caring nature is going to rub off everybody around them. So that's why I feel as though our culture <laughs> and like our environment just has such a good, you know, atmosphere to it because the guy at the top is, you know, such a good person. Yeah. You know, I see him like around town, like in Kroger yeah, or something yeah. like that sometimes. He always asks me how I'm doing, which mm-hmm. is what everybody does when they see somebody. But when he says it to you, you kind of feel like he actually means it. Yeah. He definitely means it. Coach Young, he'll, he'll take the time. He'll sit there. He'll sit there and talk to anyone, you know, like. He, his, his ego never got never got ahead of him, never got too big. And I feel as though a lot of people did let that happen to them, and that's why they changed as people. But for somebody who remembers where they're from, they know who they are, there's nothing you can do with them. And they're the type of people that are just, you know, the godsons, you know? So kind of related to that, um, I wanted to ask you a question about his coaching style. Um, you know, we were there at practice for about half an hour to 45 minutes the other day. And yeah. We've never been allowed to do that, right? Uh, if we have, it's been a while. Yeah. His first year. His first year. Okay, okay. so David, David says his first year. Um, that's the first time I've been – that's the first time I've ever been to a college basketball practice. And one of the things that struck me was the energy and the noise during practice. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for those of us who are kind of old school, we remember the layup drills from basketball practice where the two lines form way back there <laughs> and you go one at a yeah. time and, and you guys all packed inside the lane mm-hmm. and, and it looked Uh-oh. like a layup drill, but it was it. boom, 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 really loud, a lot of yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been at, this is your third place playing college ball, right? Do they do it that way at other schools? Is that common? Well, every school has its own approach to practice. They have their own little drills that they do. Coach Young has, he has very like small, you know, small little drills that will work on this specific thing. And we're let's, let's do this drill for two minutes and just focus on it. For example, we have, you got to pass your left hand to your, to your teammate and they're passing it back to you. Just that those little two minutes right there could be the difference between a game a game winning bucket or a turnover, you know, just because we spent a little bit of time every day working on those little things. I think he said this the other day, like, well, he didn't say it, but somebody said like, the great coaches, they'll coach you on the smallest things just so that there's no, if, if there's a mistake, it's not only, it's not because of lack of coaching. It's because that was a mental error that that person made, you know? Yeah. So the one that stood out to me was the loose ball drill. And oh, you, yeah. you were the one uh, he was using as an example, yeah. chasing down the loose ball instead of dribbling it, mm. you got to immediately bring it inside. Yeah. And that's a, that's a difference between a, you know, uh, that's a 50, 50 ball right there. Mm. And that's the difference between getting it, getting it and not, if I try to dribble this ball, the person right here is going to grab it. It's just the smallest thing that you wouldn't think about in the, in the scheme of playing basketball, but he's been coaching for 30 years, yeah. over 30 years. So he's had a chance to see a lot of different things play out in a lot of different ways. So even just something as small as like you don't you don't bounce past uh, inbound. If I'm if I'm taking a ball out of bounds, I don't want to bounce past this because it's a small ball. I remember ball. saying that mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. So just things like that, I never would have thought about before. But now my basketball IQ has been able to raise so much just through being around good people that know the game. Now in the heat of battle, do those things actually come back to you, or is it reps? Absolutely. That... Do I remember them? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. At that point, it becomes muscle memory. Like I would never think to even do that anymore because I know it's not the good thing to do and I know why it's not the good thing to do and then also 
if it does happen or say somebody does bounce a bounce a loose ball or I do bounce pass or inbound, you know, but last year this happened a couple times with like he's gonna now he's gonna show those clips and this is why we don't do it this way. It's embarrassing, yes, but it's just our team. It's everybody on the team, so you know, we're all just trying to get better and be a better like player. So nobody minds seeing their mess ups on the big screen. You you don't want to mess up because it is on the big screen. But yeah, it's all for the best though. You know, I feel like you learn so much more from your mistakes than anything else. So I imagine you've had conversations with him about what the NBA feedback was specifically about. Yeah. If I if I understood you correctly, shooting more three pointers. I'm not uh, saying I'm gonna go out there and launch start eight jacking the them game. up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that. Just on everything everything that I'm evolving towards is still within me. It's still within my game. I'm not, I'm not trying to reinvent myself as a basketball player because the things that I've been doing have been working really well. It's just about taking that next step and just being you know, elites at the things that I was just good at before, you know what I mean? So, and then also just hearing out that feedback and utilizing it, you know, not just letting it go in one ear out the other, you know, there's a lot of really good things that I can, you know, implement into my game this year that I just didn't last year. And I'm excited for that too. Well, I know Virginia Tech fans are excited because uh, yeah. any improvement is, is awesome. Chris? Yeah. It's a lot of new uh, faces on this year's team. Brought mm-hmm. back some good players, but uh, a lot of new faces, freshmen and transfers. Yeah. How long does it take a group to gel? I know Mike Young's system mm-hmm. is a little bit different. It might take some guys a little while to adjust uh, and probably took last year's team a little longer to gel than most people thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like with this group? And, yeah. and when you do gel, how good can you be? Yeah, I think – the most important part about the gelling process is the personalities of the guys that are on your team. You know, we got 15 players on our team, which is a lot to me. That's a lot. That's a lot of players on one team, a lot of players in the locker room. But the thing about it is all of our guys are such good people. You know, they're all like cool people that you can just sit down and talk to. You know what I mean? So I think they do a great job of recruiting the right kinds of kids. Otherwise you have to worry about your players off the floor so much, you know, what they're doing, if they're getting into trouble. Well, what you know, there's so many, so many factors that could come into a player that is a loose screw. So I think Coach Young and the whole staff does a great job of just bringing in the right kind of kids, recruiting the right families and stuff like that. So without that, we wouldn't be able to gel on the court. You know, without without us having like a good relationship, it would be tough for us to play together. You know, if I don't, if I'm not excited to see him succeed, I'm not going to be as you know my my positive talk isn't going to be the same. You know what I mean? I think that's one thing you mentioned that earlier, like the chatter. The energy in the in the gym, a lot yeah. of that just comes from just an excitement and everybody just everybody just being there to work hard and get better, and just you know you put energy out, you get it back, karma. So unless you have you know say Duke like a bunch of first round picks, like if if you have a team that's mostly going to be filled with players who aren't going to the NBA, they need to all like each other yeah. to have the best chemistry out there. For sure, and even for those teams that that are you know uh, four or five star recruits. Those teams fall apart. I don't want to name any names. I feel like I can't do that. <laughs> they, said, they said it's uncensored, so I almost went crazy. But um, <laughs> though there are certain teams out there right now and last year who they had the four or the five-star recruits, but they could never figure it out because mm-hmm. of the egos of these guys. Their ego is too big for – your ego is too big for there to be two or three players on the court, let alone five. So when that happens, there's no nothing good that can come from that team. It's already – you're already lost before the season even started. So I'm kind of stealing a question from Chris, but but it kind of fits into this discussion. You know, there, there's a there's more bigger guys on the team this year. Dave, mm-hmm. David had an interesting chart the other day about he he's got a history and a spreadsheet yeah. of the number of players that Virginia Tech has had in any given year, mm-hmm. six seven or taller. Yeah, and it's like in buzzes last year it was like two guys or yeah. something like that. How, how many? Seven there's seven mm-hmm. guys this year, six seven or taller. Yeah. Um, and, and again, this is stealing one from Chris. How does that help you in practice? What's that like? All that kind of stuff. I think that gives us a great feel for real action. Last year, that was one thing that we never got to simulate in practice, going against a bigger opponent, going against a seven-footer in practice, or going against a true athletic shot blocker, things like that we could never simulate in practice. So now actually having those guys around is benefiting like the rest of the players so much, but then also – like the the battles that those guys are able to have, when I say those guys, like look, y'all got it. No, like I said, I'm not a brute. I'm not a brute. I can hold my own in any situation. But I feel as though the size that we have this year is is much different and much more physical than the size that we had before. So those battles, I feel as though we're. I'm, I can't wait now for guys like guys like Baycott, 
guys like uh, Hughley from uh, Pitt. He goes to Pitt. Mm -hmm. So just players like that, I feel as though, not that we didn't have that physicality before, but now the physicality that we have is so much more advanced than what we had before. Teams might not be ready for it. Well, Poteet in particular is a huge dude. Yeah. How's his first yeah. name pronounced? Melijal? Melijal, yeah. Nice, I nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> My yeah. God. It was giving me trouble. Yeah. You guys seem like you have more versatility this year, too. More guys who can play multiple positions. Mm -hmm. That, along with, I think, our player development. You know, Kevin Giltner, Ryan, they do, Christian Webster. Like, those guys are so good at helping us to continue to hone in on what we're good at already. Hunter Couture, sniper, amazing shooter. But just through his summer workouts and his work ethic, every other part of his game is, is catching up to the fact that he's a sniper. Mm -hmm. And when you got a guy that can do everything at a five-star level, I don't know. I, that's scary. That's scary to me. And I think it's not even just him. You know, you got, you got Sean Padula, and he's been able to work on so many other parts of his game as well, as, as, like, as well as in the weight room with uh, Jax, just David Jackson. But he's probably, Sean's probably the strongest guy on our team, pound for pound. A lot of people wouldn't expect that, but Sean is – Sean is a Sean's a horse. So, I saw him throw down a one-handed dunk the other day, but he hasn't broken that out in a game yet. Yeah, Sean can jump. Sean, yeah. Sean can jump. Pe people, people underestimate him, don't they? It's that choir boy look he's got about. Yeah, him. I think yeah. he doesn't pass the eye test, so a lot of people don't want to give it to him. You know who else might not pass the eye test, but it's going to surprise a lot of people. Grandpa Silly. That's who I was going to ask you about yeah. next. Yeah. Is uh, what's his skill level like? I knew he could shoot it. He scored twenty three against NC State last mm -hmm. year, but uh, how's he transitioning to the step up in competition? Yeah. I'll say he surprised me when he got here with his versatility as well. Uh, he he really can do it all. So I feel as though a lot of people, I don't want to say that, but I feel a lot of people are going to initially sleep on him due to the fact that what we had last year and. I feel as though Grant is able to step onto the court right now in the ACC and make a gigantic impact just due to his versatility, his ability to score. Like you said, his three-point. I, I can't speak on the scrimmage, but he really impressed me at the scrimmage. Um, he really impressed me just with his shooting ability, ability to play inside out, and then you know, his unselfishness. So I think our team's unselfishness as a whole is probably one of our biggest – our biggest attributes, just the fact that everybody is so good, but also so willing to share the ball. So it just makes it fun to play. Yeah. So one, one specific question I wanted to ask you about him was, <clears throat> you know, uh, the interior passing that you and Keve had going on, of course it led to the dunk, you mm -hmm. know, over, over Bancaro. Is, uh, is Grant going to be able to fill that role as well, that sort of interior passing? Because that, that is, stuff is really difficult to defend. Yeah, Grant's a great passer, but Grant's also a great finisher. So I just I think everybody is just so – I'm excited. I don't know. I can't even really explain it. I think, yes, to answer your question, Grant is going to be able to you know fill that interior passing role, both passing as well as receiving and finishing. So – yeah, just to answer your question. When you're on the court with John Camden and he's playing three, is it mm -hmm. weird to have a small forward taller than you actually out John's there? not taller than me. Is he not taller than you? <laughs> no, no. They list him taller than you. Okay. They say he is. I'll say it's What do they list him at? It's they close. list him at 6'8". Oh, and they yeah. list you at 6'7". Oh, okay, six, respect. They, yeah. Yeah. I'll say John's like, yeah, he's probably 6'8". I can't really look at us from the outside looking at <laughs> That's true. Dang, I just yeah. got hurt. <laughs> no, but John's really good, though, and John's also another sniper that we just got in, so... Just seeing him on the floor. There have been practices. There have been days where I see him make five, six threes. If John can see the rim, it's going in. So, like, yeah, no. I, we have so many different lineups that we could play. We could go We could go big. We could go small. We could go fast. I can't say we could go slow because nobody on our team is not athletic. So, <laughs> I mean, we could do – we can really do a lot of different things with the versatility that we have. So one thing I have to tease you about, you had the most turnovers on the team last yeah. year by a mile. Oh, man. Yeah, you, it was a lot. <laughs> Wait, can I, can I say my record, everybody? It's sure. eight, eight turnovers in one game. In one game. Eight. Elite. No, darn, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Tech had a player about 20 years ago now named Bryant Matthews. Bryant Matthews. Yeah. He had a triple-double in one mm -hmm. game. Points, rebounds, and turnovers. And turnovers, yeah. And then, and then the next year, uh, he completely turned it around. And, you know, if Mokafer didn't exist – then he probably would have been He'd Big been East player of the year. He was a dominant. Oh, yeah. And he was like you. He was a six seven four man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but, uh, but he, I did call him the human turnover earlier in his career. He, was, he had a lot of them. Well, yeah. so anyway, I, I can say my assistant turnover ratio was positive. That's true. I was positive in that's that true. sense. So like let's, not, uh, not <laughs> let's put some context to it. You had 97, and the next closest guy was Kebe with 65. 
and Storm with 59. Yeah. So congratulations. You are the front runner for most turnovers. Everybody, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, think about it like this. If you have a lot of turnovers, that also means they're trying to get the ball in your hands a lot, Mm. too. Yeah. Okay. So so I do have, there is a question involved in me teasing you. You should also mention that he led the team in assists. That's that's a good point. Well, well, what kind of guy am I? (laughs) (laughs) And he did have the triple double against Syracuse. Mm. Um, So does, does, I think a lot of them come because you're trying to make the the, the good pass, the difficult yeah. pass. Yeah. Some of them don't, but but I think I think a lot of them do come from that. Do you and Coach Young ever discuss that? Was it ever a discussion with the NBA guys? Did they even notice that sort of thing at this point? For sure. Uh, well, I'll touch on that first. It, a lot of NBA teams mentioned they love my playmaking ability, and but just being able to cut down on those turnovers would be able would take up would be a lot for me. Um, I don't know. I just I try to play the game in an unselfish way. I don't like to be that player that's shooting 20, 30 shots a game. That's never been me. No. I just, I can't play like that. But I think the feedback that I've been getting, not only from the, you know, the summer stuff, but also from my coaches here, just, I need to stop passing so much. I need to be more aggressive. I need to look to score. And I feel as though that's been my issue. And I'm, yeah, just work. The amount of time I spent in the gym for me not to be aggressive on the offensive end is a discredit to my team, honestly. So... That's how they approach it to me, and that's the approach I've been taking this year so far. And it's been working out great for me. So I appreciate you being good-natured about it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's take it back to last year a little bit. When mm-hmm. you guys turn on the, the team bus, comes back from uh, New York after you win the ACT, it turns on to Washington Street, and you see that big crowd. Oh, yeah. What was it like on the bus when you all looked ahead and it saw that crazy. crowd? It was crazy. Did you expect it? I, I – I felt as though there were going to be a, a parade. I felt as though people were going to come support us, but I didn't think it would be anything like that. We couldn't even pull the bus into the, the lot. Uh-huh. We had to just get out, and we all tried to just walk through the. I remember I had I had the you know the ticket punched. Uh, I was holding that over my head. Everybody was mm-hmm. loving it. At that point, at that time, everybody and the team had already signed it too. So the the ticket was a was a big hit. Where'd that wind up? It's in my room right now. Was it really? Oh, I you guess. got it. It's nice. Nice. I have it. Now, yeah. see, the funny thing is, you know, I was out there. And they had three cops there, yeah. and they had cleared out the driveway area for you guys to pull up. Really? And they actually had a few barriers out there, too. And then as soon as the bus showed up, the cops just kind of got out of everybody's way. And, yeah, and, and they just yeah, yeah, so uh, it, it was it was the idea was for it to be controlled. Yeah. It was not controlled. It was not controlled <laughs> at all. I actually I brought some confetti back for the um, for the parade, but I threw all of my confetti when I got there and I, was, I, just, I didn't get to keep any of it. I was really sad. But when, but the other day at the ACC media day, uh, she had, the lady actually gave me like something I was pretty happy about. And it was actually the confetti? It was the real confetti. Okay. I don't know why she Because I was going to say, don't be eyeballing my confetti. No, <laughs> right. that's, that's all you. He's got it. I might, I might have to grab a little bit. That's David crazy. shoved a whole bunch in his backpack. Um, yeah. I'm running out, I'm, we'll, we'll try to get some more for you this year. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm running out of questions. I got one more, and then, then we'll let Chris ask you a bunch. Um, and and we also have some from the message boards that I think will be interesting. Um, best player you've played against, and you are not allowed to mention Obi Toppin. I didn't play Obi. You didn't play Obi. He wasn't here. I oh, I looked not. in the. You're right. I the the, the Dayton box score I was looking at was after Toppin left. Mm. Right. So let's just take yeah. the question at face value. Then. I would say I would say Paolo. I yeah. would definitely say Paolo. I think he deserved to be the number one draft pick. He's a really good player. 6'10", moves like a guard, versatile, athletic. I think he has everything it takes. So I definitely would give him best player. I think with time and him just getting in the gym more with, with those trainers that he has with now, sky's the limit for him. Yeah, he's going to be a scary player in a couple of years. A couple yeah. of those shots he made against y'all from the top of the key, and I thought y'all had perfect defense I was on guarding him. Yeah, like, exactly. I was, I was playing defense, and he was giving me some buckets, and I was just like – Look, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, bro. I'm looking at Coach Young. <laughs> like, no. But, no, he's a good player. I'm excited to see what his uh, NBA career is going to hold for him. Yeah, I do remember in that championship game, both teams came out on fire. It was like 15-15 mm-hmm. really quickly in the game. And I thought that was important for you guys to get off to a good start in that game. And, and Coach Young told you uh, you got to start playing some defense because you're not going to outscore them, right? Mm. Isn't that basically what he said at the first TV timeout? Yeah, for sure. That was our issue. I think that's the reason why we weren't – well, we were losing all those games by like three, by four points. Yeah. Our defense just – we weren't connected as we as we should have been. And I think once we really – I think it started Florida State. At that point, we our defense, like, locked in, and the trust factor was through the roof. I trusted my teammates to be there for me if I made a mistake. 
because I knew that I would be there for them if if anything were to happen. And I think that trust of everybody had each other's backs, it, it, it took us to the championship and it got us rings. Just trust and playing defense. So I think that's something we need to definitely preach for our team this year, just to adopt that trust early, you know, yeah. to adopt that work ethic. Like, I, me personally, when I get on defense, I take everything personal. I take – like, I'll – I'll do anything to get a stop. I'll do anything to get a stop. So I really, and I just, the more people you have on your team, Hunter Couture has the same mindset. The more people you have on your team that are willing to put their body on the line just to get a stop, just to save two points, that's the difference, you know? So I think we need that. It was funny. You mentioned the Florida State game. I mean, you guys were 10 and 10 at that point, kind of teetering on the brink from the outside looking in record-wise. What was the mindset when you were 10 and 10? I mean, you obviously knew you could play better. Yeah. Uh, were there any goals at that point, or was at that point you are just basically like, okay, let's take this thing one game at a time? You have to take it one game at a time, um, especially taking into account a lot of people are just going to look at our record and say 10 and 10, you know, we were 0 and 4, we were 2 and 7. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are all true statistical facts. But if you're not watching the game and you're not seeing – the way we're breaking down in the last two, three minutes of a game, the way we'll have crazy runs where we're offensively can't miss, can't, you know, but then we just, we have laps. So Coach Young was always in the locker room after every single game in the film room telling us we're this close, you know, we're literally this close to being a great team, but we just haven't clicked yet. And then once it clicked, it was beautiful. It was fun. It was sad times. It was a dark place. Yeah, I bet it was. When you're 0-4 and you're looking at like the ACC leaderboards and you're at the bottom. You're at the bottom. (laughs) <laughs> especially especially when you would go into the tournament the year before and you know you expected to be better than that yeah, yeah absolutely but uh, a lot of props to coach young he's been here for this is his fourth year now and virginia tech has just continued to rise so hopefully i can help him be a part of something really special this year too yep. so we can keep that going but it's a legacy you know the legend right there so let's see <clears throat> from uh here we go from vt dante First of all, how many degrees do you have at this point? I have three right now. You have three. Currently. So you have your undergraduate, and what's that in? Uh, my undergraduate degree is in psychology. Uh-huh. And what? And you have two masters at this yeah. point? And what I'll are they? I two masters from here. My first one is in agriculture and life science with a concentration in education. And then my second one, which I got this past year, is educational psychology. Okay. I'm really interested in psych. But Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so VT yeah. Dante wants to know, when your basketball career is over, what do you plan on doing with the many degrees you have earned? Yeah, well, at some point, I definitely want to get my PhD. Um, I could continue that program here. I could have continued it this year. It would have just been a heavy workload for me, mm-hmm. along with all the other stuff that I have going on. So I decided to push that on the, on the back burner for right now. But I think after I get that PhD, I want to utilize it to, you know, help the youth, you know, really just to be around, like, for me, when I say youth, I'm thinking like middle school age, sixth to eighth grade. I feel as though those kids are still influenceable. I can you can have a positive impact on them, but at the same time, they're not too old to the point where they know too much. They think they're so smart, you know. So I just I would like to be able to be a positive role model to those kids in that age group, just because for me, I know I had a, a positive role model and it changed the trajectory of my life. If I could do that for a couple other kids or an entire school or district, my life was worth it. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Now you do some of that now in Roanoke is what you were telling yeah, us. Absolutely. Tell us about that. Uh, the West End Center, uh, really, it's awesome youth center up there in Roanoke. Uh, they have on one side of the street, it's the elementary school kids, and on the other side, it's the middle school kids. But it's just so much fun just going there and hanging out with them. It's just they're hilarious to me. So we just go there. Have fun. we had a pizza party uh, the other day? All we do is just hang out. Help, they do some of their schoolwork and stuff like that. And we just play basketball, just have conversations. But I feel as though those small conversations, just being able to be present with them, just means way more than anything else ever could. Just like being able to, to have the smallest conversations with somebody. But I also recognize that in the position that I am, I feel as though they may be, they are possibly looking up to me as well. So to be able to utilize that, my position right now, to be a benefit, a resource to other people, I feel as that's the only positive that could that's the most positive thing i could do with it you know instead of just using it for myself and let my ego get big you know so on the whole do they you know in air quotes know who you are or are you just justin to them or what yeah i think a lot of the kids are aware of virginia tech basketball a lot of the kids actually look up their game and stuff like that they look me up so they i'd say they they know who i am they know about our team and stuff like that as well did you take some posters to them 
<laughs> I'm gonna take the posters next time. I haven't taken them up there yet. It's like 110 kids. I don't think right. I have 110 posters. Okay. Uh, you might once might. once we because they printed yeah. a bunch of the unsilenced. Yeah. Okay, that's good. We'll get them to. I might. Yeah, um, that'd be fun though. Yeah, yeah, those kids are hilarious. I love them. Yeah, and they they're always excited just for me to come back too. Like they'll send me DMs and stuff like that. So it's awesome. It's awesome. So between uh, Instagram DMs and Twitter DMs and text messages. Um, like, is your phone kind of out of control? I started putting on Do Not Disturb. So, <laughs> so if anybody texts me or calls me, I will not see it until until nighttime or, like, sometime while I'm free or just, like I said, this has been a lot going on, a lot of my mental right now. I just try to I- ignore everything and just let everything else go and just focus on the things that actually matter, you know, the substantial things in my life, the meaningful things to me, you know. I try to put those first and everything else can fall on the back burner, you know? Yeah. So when you get to the locker room after the ACC title game, you have how many missed calls, how many missed text messages? A lot. But you know what's crazy? (laughs) The fact that after a loss – it it's it's empty <laughs> you know it's really? just so crazy yeah how everybody like everybody's like you know so that's why you have to be so careful because you don't want to let that that build you up so much after a win you know twitter going crazy instagram everybody's texting you oh great game i just saw it on like you know sports center i'm not saying that specifically but like i just saw you on tv as compared to you know we lost you know i didn't play that well I take my phone, my mom, my dad, my stepmom. Mm, you know, no, <laughs> like, no, like, yeah, but <laughs> like, funny. you so, know, it's just it's crazy. As a guy who covers the team for a living, it's the other way around. Oh yeah, when you lose, that's when my phone blows up. Yeah, and it's pretty quiet. You know, I'm not saying it's completely quiet because people do like to celebrate, but yeah. message boards and text messages to me definitely get a lot busier I'm when sure. you lose. I have not seen one Virginia Tech message board. I can actually, I'm proud do to not say look. that. Don't I won't, look. and I won't ever. That's scary. That's y'all are so crazy. <laughs> crazy imagine imagine that i wish i could spend like a month in our in our position step on the floor and go play a game in front of ten thousand people or football in front of sixty seven thousand people well i think your average person uh doesn't understand how jam-packed a student athlete's life is literally from the time you get up to time you go to bed Mm -hmm. so kind of kind of expand on that a little bit on like like when do you get up in the morning on your average day okay i'd say today (laughs) We lift at 6 a.m., so I personally wake up at 5 just to, as a person, I have to have that buffer time in the morning. Like every day? in life. Mm-hmm. Like, huh? Every day you get up at 5 a.m.? Um, just on days when I have lift. This okay. week I have lift three times a week, so today, tomorrow, and probably Friday. But preseason, it's, uh, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I don't think we do anything that's, like, not by the book. I'm pretty sure everything we do is by the book. But preseason, we're doing, like, conditioning and stuff like that. I think it's four. I think it's like four days a week that we're gone. So we have we have off weekends, but it's just a, it's a it's a drain. I'll say today woke up at five, contemplated life for twenty minutes, <laughs> uh, just got dressed, went and lifted six to seven. Um, Hunter Couture he'll get on the court right after we finish lifting. So we lift six to seven. Hunter Couture is on the court from seven to eight. I'll try to get on right after he's done, but that's because I don't have study hall this year. So for other student athletes. Like the younger guys, like the you know the freshmen and sophomores, they have study hall from eight o'clock to ten o'clock. So their schedule is lift at six to seven, seven to eight. You're just like getting yourself together. Eight to ten, you have study hall. Ten thirty or eleven o'clock to twelve thirty, you have class. Then you have practice from about twelve forty-five to three o'clock. And then for a lot of my teammates, they had to hurry up and leave practice today just to get to their next class. So you're probably getting done everything like five or six o'clock. You've been up twelve hours straight now, probably ate once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> you're like you're just going through it, and now you're looking on Twitter, and everybody's bashing you because you missed a free throw. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, I'm tired. I need a nap, and you're worried about my performance. At let's also highlight the fact that sometimes games are at nine o'clock at night. Oh God, no, yeah. we hate those just, too, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, it's a lot that goes into it, but it, I mean, I'm grateful. At the end of the day, it's done so much for my life, you know. Um, and for people who have stuff to say, I just, you know, I'm getting old enough to this point where I can just look the other way or turn my phone off, you know. Um, so, as a, I know that uh, undergrad athletes have to take at least twelve hours. Mm-hmm. How many, as a graduate student, how many hours of classes do you have to take per semester? As a graduate student, you have to take nine, so it'd be three classes per semester. Okay, okay. okay. Right. See, I've got a, I've got a buddy who played football at Tech back in the day, and he was actually not only on the football team but in the Corps of Cadets also. Oh, really? So yeah, so 
all his football friends would be like, oh man, 6.30 a.m. workouts. And he'd be yeah. like, what are you talking about? I've been up with the core for like right. two hours already. Yeah, yeah. Every, every day we have, when we have lift, I'm getting there and I see all the cadets running yep. already. They yep. are already doing push-ups and everything. It's that's a, that's a tough grind right there too. So a lot of respect to those people. A lot of respect to them. Um, I don't know what time they get up, but it has to be like <laughs> four, really, four yeah. three o'clock. I don't know. That's cra- That's a different kind of... That's a different, different kind life. of grind. Different kind of grind. Yes. You really got to want it, you know? You do. Respect. All right, let's, so let's, uh, these are from Hokie Al. These are some quick hitters. Uh, favorite gla- favorite class, he says class, from all your degrees. Actually, I'm taking a human sexuality class right now. I feel as though They still ex- teach that? Yeah, but this is actually my first time taking one, so I feel as though they need to teach that to younger kids. Uh, just the concepts are important to grasp at a, younger, at a younger age, especially in this day and age, you know what I mean? As things are changing so, so frequently and so... You know, I feel as though it's important to allow the kids to adopt a more open and understanding mindset. That's just my perception. I know a lot of people might not think the same way, but I think we should be educating these kids about this stuff, you know, a lot earlier. Just so that they can go into the world more informed and learn to think for themselves as opposed to allowing society to tell you what to think and how to be. So favorite food in Blacksburg? In Blacksburg, I'm a, I'm really big on lefties. Oh, this is tough. Lefties is a good choice. Hold on, well, got, well, have, he's got a he's because yeah. you got nil deals, right? So you got to be careful. What you say. I don't have any nil deals with food places though. <laughs> Not yet. So if anybody wants to get at me, Elrod, lefties, Alos Campoyo. <laughs> no, I would say either lefties, they have a really good chicken club, and then their soups change every day. Yeah, their soups change every day, and their soups are always fire. And then at, at Elrod's, I'll get the Idos Compollo or the, uh, what's it called? The Idos Texado? Yeah. Yeah. It's like steak. <laughs> it's steak, shrimp, chicken, Oof. rice, peppers, onions, and cheese sauce. Drop the mic. What are we talking about? <laughs> what can pot? Yeah. What are the major food that, groups? That, uh, I guess I know where I'm going to eat dinner tonight. Everything. <laughs> Elrod's is amazing. They should definitely pay you after that. After that advertisement. Look, Elrod's, call me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the toughest one-on-one matchup on our team? On our team, Darius Maddox. Yeah. Oh my God. Why is Darius's, it? Darius's game. Is it the step back or? It's a step back. It's his catch and shoot ability. It's his handle. I'm sitting here, Darius. If you're watching this, don't clown me later. But no, nah, Darius <laughs> is really good. He's so talented. He's such a good basketball player. Like he's the type of player. Like if I was just a fan, I would be a fan of him. You know, I would just like I would sit in a crowd and just watch him hoop. You know, even at the park, Hunter Couture is a close second too. Yeah. Well, the, the the thing about Maddox I keep going back to is that game-winning shot against Clemson when he casually dribbles behind his back while he's walking it up court. You it's know, the that, confidence. Yeah. It's the yeah. fact that for Darius, nothing matters when he's playing. He's just he's just going to be him, and he's going to do whatever he wants to do. And it's like it's just, it's just like so free to watch, you know? So I'm a fan. Uh, one, one last one from Hokie Al. Uh, do you have any special pregame rituals that you stick to? I would definitely say meditate. Um, just to empty my mind, you know. Just think about it. It's so much going on throughout the day. You know, you're doing scout. You're trying to learn who you learn your your matchup. Then you twi- I'm, I am going to look at Twitter at some point. Just as a person, as a what am I Gen Z? My Gen Z. No, so, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't keep up with that yeah. anymore. Yeah, Gen Z. Okay. So I definitely check. I saw something on Twitter that rubbed me the wrong way. So I need to let that go. Ken Palm rankings or ESPN <laughs> stuff. Like none of that is even real. But we are taking more pressure and like you know weight on it as an individual just because you know all that stuff oh justin must get nil he needs to be doing all this stuff on the court like so uh, that stuff can weigh on somebody too but i just try to do so i just try to do the the work necessary to just let that stuff go and just be me and be present i've tried to meditate before and i literally can't clear my mind it just keeps going back to yeah. everything i have to worry about mm-hmm. that's you, why that's why it's a practice it's, it's so you really, have to work at it you have to can you the, get training from someone for something like that i assume absolutely did, did you ever do that with get training in in person, yeah, not in person. I really just did. I really just researched the concept of meditation. What is what is it for? Why am I doing this? And once I understood it to understand those things, I started to understand that my thoughts that are coming are really just like clouds. They're just clouds that are just coming. They're gonna pass by, and mm-hmm. then you're gonna think about something else. But the clearness of your brain of the sky is always gonna be there. And the, but the amount of clouds is up to you. How many clouds are gonna be there? You know, at the end of the day, nobody's trying to live in a a gray, a yeah. dull area yeah. because you got all these clouds, you know, disrupting your, 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 you know, what you got going on. The more you can, you know, let those clouds go and not tie yourself to any of them, the the more, the more sunny things going to be, you know? Yep. I'm pretty much out, man. You've got the through, questions, I'm man. I'm going through yeah. everything, man. Yeah. 
You that's get, it. That's all I've got. Oh man, that's a bummer. How long we've we been doing this, Nick? Uh, what about fifty? Wait for it. Fifty-four minutes. Fifty-four minutes. So that, takes that's, about an hour. that's about right timing. We I, guess, I guess hour. there's one more here. Um, which player on this year's team? Now remember, it has to be a surprise. Okay. <laughs> which player on this year's team will positively surprise everyone? Lynn Kidd. I figured that was an easy Lynn answer for you. Kid. And Lynn Kidd. Yes, and and, and why wait. is that? Lynn is, what, what has he improved upon? I don't think Lynn really got the chance to show himself last year. So I think that is going to go into a, like a lot of why everybody's going to be so surprised that we have this guy on our team. Lynn is so good. Lynn's so talented. He's probably the most athletic guy on our team. Vertically. He's probably the most vertical athlete. Vertically. <laughs> vertically. But outside of that, Lynn can shoot the ball. Lynn can score with either hand in the paint. He can guard. He's really strong. Great hedger. Lynn can, Lynn's really versatile, too. So we're talking about versatility and guys being able to get thrown in there and do different things. Lynn's one of those guys I think is going to have an outstanding showing this year. I can't wait. You know, we always heard that he was very advanced offensively, just needed to catch up in the little things, so to speak. Yeah, and for sure. I think that's that's the part. That's the learning curve. That's why I think, like, for freshmen and stuff like that, you got to go through that. Lynn, I think this is his third year now, but he didn't get, really get an opportunity at Clemson. Yeah. He didn't get an opportunity here last year. So for this to be his first time really stepping on the court, have an opportunity to show himself with the coach trusting him, teammates trusting him. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna help us a lot this year, truly. And like you mentioned earlier, we didn't really have any size last year. Yeah. So he'll help us in that sense too. Well, you're not uh, backing off from dialing up the hype here, Justin. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited myself just talking about it. You know, I just I know what we have, I know what we have, so you know, that actually leads to a question I thought about, but I forgot to bury it down, but now it comes to mind. How do you guard against um, a, a, a multiple number of factors? Overconfidence, um, the fact that you guys achieved by winning the ACC tournament last year, the, the weight of expectations of the fans. Um, do you guys talk about this stuff? And, and so, so how do you deal with those things? Uh, you have so much confidence. Because, frankly, you had a lot, a lot of confidence going into last year, mm -hmm. and it didn't start out well. Yeah. Um, so how do you guys guard against that and just keep putting in the grind every day? Yeah. I think navigating that space just goes back into understanding that this is a completely new year, that last year is really in the past, and it's over now. And on top of that, half of these guys weren't even here last year, so they can't, they can't <laughs> claim our success from last year, you know what I mean? So because of that, we have to go do something completely new now. With this new group of people, this new team, we have to go – accomplish something special so i think everybody has to understand it for that they and everybody knows that last year is over so nobody is you know allowing your last year to boost our head or anything we, we know where we're at right now coach uh, david jackson says this all the time but don't drink the kool-aid you know do yeah. not drink the kool-aid because it'll it'll poison you i think another thing is like you got to remember that this year, like opponents are going to come into Castle Coliseum and they're not just coming here to play Virginia Tech. They're going to be coming here to beat the ACC champs. Yeah. Right. So you've got to maintain that chip on your shoulder. All the time. Absolutely. But that just comes down to playing every single game like it's our last, you know, playing every single game like we got no more breath after this, you know. Um, so I, I want, we want that target on our back. We want, we want teams to play us. We want teams to respect us, you know. And that was the problem before teams didn't respect us. Virginia Tech was not a well, respected you know maybe on football end on the football end i think like virginia tech football has always been well respected shout out beamer but um <laughs> it's his birthday today it's it actually his birthday huge shout out to beamer <laughs> that's crazy but um yeah i think just earning that respect for basketball as well like we are a well-rounded school you know we have really good sports teams and not just you know not just one good team so it looks like your, <clears throat> excuse me, your first ACC game this year is hosting North Carolina on, the 7th. on December 4th, 4th. And I'm thinking they're going to hang the ACC championship banner mm -hmm. that night. So you are going to get, if they do that, yeah. if they wait till then, you're going to get UNC's best shot. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't know if they're going to wait for that game. I think they said they're going to do it like the second game of the year. So okay. they did say, okay. I think. That would well, be I Lehigh, don't know anything. I just show up. <laughs> I just show up and scream, let's go. You just describe me when I go home to see my wife. I'm just tell me what to do. I'm just yeah. saying. Look, uh, where's the bus? Yeah. No. Well, we appreciate you coming in. It's been yes, good seeing you again. And again, folks, look, if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, which I always suggest, or, or, you listen to the podcast is great, but watching them on YouTube is a lot of fun, particularly mm -hmm. this one. Uh, we will put a link to the uh, poster sales down in the YouTube video. 
So appreciate you coming in and man, good luck this year. And, uh, you know, we wish you guys all the best. And I know that for us, for tech sideline, we're counting on you to pick up the mood of the fans, yeah. you know, cause <laughs> the football team's currently two and five. So we're, uh, we're looking at you, man. We hope y'all yeah. do well this year. Appreciate you. It's going to be a good year. I'm really excited. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no and folks, that has been uh, episode 265, I believe, of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Uh, thanks a lot. And we'll see you all next week with, uh, I guess, our next podcast will be a preview of the NC State game. So we'll see you then. Thanks for watching and listening.